0: Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Today, we're going to start a new series in, in the book of Galatians, and I'm excited to do that. Before we get into that, I want to say a little bit about where we have come from, what we said and what we did last week. Um, last week, or two weeks ago, I, I, I walked us through a little bit of our vision and just where we're going in this season. And I gave you this vision of cultivation. Everybody say cultivation. Cultivation, cultivation. cultivation. I gave this vision of cultivation, and I, I had to look up this, this word cultivation because as I prayed through the season and what I believe that God would have me say to you all was just this idea of cultivation. And when I looked up the definition, by way of reminder, I got two different definitions. There were many other ones that dealt with agriculture, but the ones I wanted to pay attention to were these two. It said devotion of time or attention to the improvement of something. Devotion of time or attention to the improvement of something. And the second one was advancement or refinement in physical, intellectual, or moral condition. Now, both of these definitions and others that I have found, they all deal with this idea of spending time, Uh, spending time on something to make it better or to refine it. And the problem of the question that I posed to you all before we got into this whole idea of cultivation was that we had the answer was, it was, what are we cultivating? Or, in other words, whatever we're spending time on, is it worth cultivating? And I I said, what gardens are you cultivating? Where are you spending time? And and what what I'm getting at with this is that I really believe that the church, and I'm not just talking about renewal, I'm talking about the church at large, has, has been too dedicated to the wrong things in many ways that has led us to cultivating the wrong parenthetical gardens in our lives. And that may be the garden of your job. That could be the garden of your home. That could be the garden of your family, your feelings, etc. Whatever it is on down the line, we as a people have dedicated our attention and our time to all different types of things that we believe will give us peace. We believe they'll give us joy. We believe they'll give us fulfillment and much more. But we soon come to find out that, that thing or that person or whatever we put our trust in, put our hope in, it doesn't give us what we've been searching for. In fact, it just keeps asking for more and more and more attention, more of your time. You got to give more instead of getting. Listen, as a Christian, there's not more to do. There's not more to add to the work of God. And the reason I say this is because when we're devoting more time and time and attention to more and more things in our lives, in actuality, what's really happening is that we're not believing God to be sufficient. And instead, we're believing whatever this thing is or we're believing in ourselves. Whatever we're cultivating, that that, that thing's going to give us what God can give us. Hear me, hear me. God has called the Christian to love him and to love their neighbor as they love themselves. And by doing so, we now cultivate the mission of God instead of our own mission, which in the long run, watch this, it it leaves us more satisfied, leaves us more joyful, leaves us more fulfilled, leaves us more peace and more filled with love. What what I'm getting at is, is that in order for us to cultivate The garden of our own lives individually and this Garden of Renewal Church of Chicago, we have to begin with believing the gospel and not only just believing the gospel that that saves us, but the gospel is what gives us true security. It's what gives us true freedom. It's what gives us joy and significance and satisfaction in our lives. See, when we believe that by the grace of God and by faith in Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection, that we're saved, it doesn't just end there. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not just the ABCs to the faith. It's the A to Z. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. You don't just come to Jesus and, and get saved and it ends there. Okay, so y'all missing this. So um, let me go back to the garden illustration. In the beginning, in Genesis 1, it says that, that God created all of existence. He created everything, and then he creates this garden, and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and and, and he creates the garden, and everything he created was good. It was, it was good. It was good. No, No imperfections, nothing. It was good. And see, when you believe that God created everything, and then created it good, now watch this, when when you're in the garden that he's put you in, you're able to cultivate it the right way without worry. You're able to live in freedom. You're able to work from a place of freedom. Why? Because God has done all the hard work. He made it good. So now you get to live from a place of freedom. I'm already preaching. I ain't even opened up the Bible yet. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm excited about where we're going in Galatians. Made it good. And see, the same is. It's true when you really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you understand that Jesus didn't just save you from your sin, but that Jesus' sacrifice was to help you live in your day-to-day life, it now changes and transforms the way people live. The book of Galatians, uh, it's going to show us just that. Paul, Paul in this book, he's, he's writing to the church of Galatia, which is uh, a region now in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Paul preached the gospel, and people got saved. They received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and the church is formed. But why Paul is away after preaching the gospel to them, Uh, The false teaching starts to enter the land and people start believing a different gospel. They start adding on to the word of God that has already been already been preached to them. And thus they're adding to uh, salvation. And so Paul in Galatians, he he writes to correct and to rebuke the church, saying there's only one gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not many. There's one. Thus Make sure you aren't believing something else and cultivating the wrong garden. Listen, I'm excited to jump into this book because if we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to truly cultivate the way that I believe God has called us to as this garden of renewal and individuals, it starts with what God has done on our behalf. So let's go ahead and let's open up our Bibles, Galatians chapter 1. We're going to read the first nine verses today, Galatians chapter 1. And this is going to serve sort of as an intro to the book of Galatians. But what's going to happen here is that Paul's going to really set the tone for where he's going. And if you haven't already heard it in my voice, you, 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 I'm going to set the tone too. That, that, that Paul's taking us someplace here. He's rebuking. This is, It's not going to feel good at times. But he's calling them back to the goodness of the gospel. So it's all in love. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, verses one through nine if you got to go ahead and stand your feet with me as we read the word of God and honor it together Galatians chapter one I need y'all to go with me this morning I'm already excited I I need some amens and hallelujahs Galatians chapter one here now the reading of God's word It says Paul an apostle not from men not through man nor through man but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished, y'all remember that word, underline it, astonished, As we've said before, so I now say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be cursed. The very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, there is only one. There is only one. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this morning. You are truly an awesome And almighty God, we do give you praise. We give you honor. We give you thanks for your goodness. God, I do ask right now that you would just stand in my body, that you would speak with my mouth all the things that I may say or do. May you hide me behind the cross, Lord Jesus, so that people see you. Decrease me so that you may increase. Holy Spirit, have your way in the heart of all the people in here. And it's in the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus that we all said together. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Hello to you that are online too. Thanks for being with us. There is only one. I want to be honest for a minute. And and some of you will go with me on this. If you're a Christian, you, you remember when you first came to know Jesus? You come to know Jesus and there's this just this zeal, just excitement about the gospel, excitement about the word, excitement about who Jesus is. I remember I shared a little bit about this a few weeks ago with Steve. I remember when I came to know Jesus, I was so on fire for the Lord. I was tearing up all my CDs and because I couldn't listen to that anymore. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. I no smoking, no drinking, no kissing, none of that stuff, no partying. And, and I, I didn't want to hang out with people that were, were doing that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that I thought I was better than everybody. It wasn't that. It's just that I knew myself. And I, I couldn't be in those places if I wanted to grow and glorify the Lord. So I, I had to step back from it. And I was just on fire for Jesus. I reading my Bible day and night. That's all I wanted to do, listening to music all the time. And, and But if I'm honest and I believe this happens with every believer at some time in their walk, is that eventually the zeal, it it just began to wear off. And the problem with this is that when the zeal starts to wear off is that we commonly start to turn someplace else. Where can I find the same excitement? Where can I find the same joy? Or we just put our heads down and we just keep plowing through life all the while Jesus is waiting in the wind. It begins to feel like God is not present anymore. You ever been there before? Come on with me. You ever been there before? I mean, life happens, as people would say. And the joy in Jesus, it just seems to fade and the problem with this, it's this plateau effect, as they would like to call it, and is that we plateau someplace in our, in our walk with Jesus, and we get to this place where we start feeling things around us, problems just feel too hard, and, and at that moment, we got a choice to make. We going to continue to pursue after Jesus, or, or we go elsewhere, and a lot of times, it's in that moment that we turn elsewhere, and we turn inward to find satisfaction. And, and here's the thing, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a subtle drift in your heart. It, it just subtly happens, and, and over time you get to this place where you're like, I I I, I don't I don't I, I don't even know like is the Bible real? I oh, mean it, it's you start questioning God, you start questioning your own salvation, you start doing and allowing things in your life that you would never do. Been there? I see some heads. And if you're not shaking your head and you're a believer, I'm going to answer it for you. You've been there before. If you're not there yet, you, you will have it happen. We start to believe that there, maybe there's more that than Jesus has to offer. And we may not say that out loud, but through our actions, through what we do, our life speaks to something else. The love that we once had where all that mattered was The things of God is no more. We start to add to the gospel and bend it to make it fit what we feel or what we think. And now we make salvation something altogether different than grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If honest, and a believer, we have been there before. Some of us are there right now. Paul in this passage right here, he, he He tries to confront this Christian norm and he says, There's only one. There's only one. There's only one gospel, and it's the one that I've preached, that we've preached to you. Don't trust yourself, don't trust your work, don't trust anything else. It's only by God's grace through faith in Jesus' sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection that you are saved. I want us, family, hear me, just like Paul exclaims wherever you are, whether you're a new Christian, you're not a believer yet, or you're a believer. Here, I want us to understand the riches of faith in Christ. Today, again, as we jump in, our time is going to serve as somewhat of an intro overview of where Paul is going. He's taking us in this letter, but, and you'll hear the tone again. Paul begins this letter, I love it. He introduces himself, which is, which is normal for Paul when he's introducing his letters. He introduces himself in it, but this one's a little different. He specifically reintroduces himself as an apostle, and he says, not from men. Nor through men, y'all see that, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, by introducing himself this way, he's announcing or letting the church know the authority by which he's able to speak. He says, I- "I'm not an apostle from man or through men." What he, what he means is, if we relate it to today's terms, it, 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 he's he's saying, "I'm a per. I- I'm not. I'm not a person that's called." Uh, to the ministry, uh, I, I'm, every man or per, a woman is called to the ministry, is called through the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart. But he says, my difference is that those folks, they're called, def- yes, by God, but they're appointed by a man. They're appointed by someone else, i.e. E. hired on a church staff, or, or they're or, ordained, they're appointed, they're put in position. He said, no, 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 that's not me. I'm an apostle appointed through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He's making a very exclusive claim here because the 12 disciples slash apostles and Paul were the only ones that had a direct interaction with Jesus. They're sent by him. So so he's saying, I I wasn't commissioned by anybody else. My message came directly from God. I'm I'm different. So he's announcing his, his own authority, but he's even more so giving credit to the truth that he's speaking the truth of the gospel that he's proclaiming as it came directly from God. He didn't get this second hand. He didn't get it from a sermon. No, no, no. This ain't his mama's religion. He didn't learn this in church. He got it directly from God. Now, this is very important to understand as we walk through this letter because again, Paul is speaking to the church that has now begun to add to the gospel message that he once preached. They're now believing a false theology. He's saying, listen to me. Stop listening to everybody else. What I have to say is worth listening to. And then I love verse 3 because he jumps, before he jumps any further, he wishes them grace and peace. I love this intro because when you read it... it, (laughs) If you read it correctly, it's almost like Paul is like, "Yo, let me allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho H to the Ov. I used no, nah, just see, yeah, yeah. He, he's like, y'all 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 gotta remember who I am. Remember my authority by which I speak. Who who I am. In other words, what I'm about to say to you. I, I love you, but this is going to hurt a little bit." It's the worst when people prefer the whipping. You know what I'm saying? Like, when your parents say, like, I don't really want to do this, but I got to do it. I I, I don't really want to. And I'm, in your head, you're like, if you don't really want to do it, then why are you going to do it? They're like, you, I don't really want do to. I got to discipline you, though. No, no, you really don't, But, but, but... But, but they say he's, that's what Paul is doing here. He's like, I, I got to tell you, I love you, though. I just want you to know this. In the intro, he's rebuking them, and he's calling them back to God. He then, verse 4, gives this simple breakdown of the gospel. Look at the wording. He said, he doesn't say Jesus came to teach and we should follow. Got to pause there because I need to help somebody. The Bible is not just a list of instructions on how to live a good life. I know y'all say the basic instructions before leaving the earth. No, no, no. That's not what Paul's saying here. He says Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver or rescue us from this present evil age. He's saying Jesus didn't just teach us how to live the good life. He did that, but he also died. He died so that we can have an experienced life here on earth and in eternity in heaven with him one day when we believe. Jesus rescues us. He rescues us by substituting himself and dying the death that we deserved on a cross. We deserve this because of our constant rebellion against the things of God, whether that's in our, in our everyday life, in our minds, or even in our hearts, So constantly rebelling against God. So, so Jesus substituted himself and died on the cross. Everybody say substitution. substitution. Substitution, substitution. This understanding of substitution is what makes the gospel so profound. It's what makes it so profound. I, I, I had the privilege of studying with, under Dr. Tim Keller over the last couple of years of his life, and... Uh, he, he says it this way, speaking on this substitution idea. He says, Christ's death was not just a general sacrifice, but a substitutionary one. He did not merely buy us a second chance, giving us another opportunity to get life right and stay right with God. He did all we needed to do, but cannot do. If Jesus' death really paid for our sins on our behalf... We can never fall back into condemnation. Why? Because God would just be getting two payments for the same sin, which is unjust. And we know God to be a just God. Jesus did all that we or should have done in our place. So when he becomes savior, we're absolutely free from the penalty or condemnation. In other words, Jesus has done all the work God required for salvation on our behalf. There's no more work to be done. Just believe. This changes or should change, like I said earlier, the way in which a believer lives their life. With this understanding, one starts to experience or should feel freedom security, peace, joy, satisfaction. Now, how do we know that Jesus' sacrifice was all that God required that if he needed? Look at verse 1. Verse 1, God, God accepts the sacrifice by raising Christ from the grave, which gives us grace and peace, Paul says, because Jesus has won the battle against Satan, sin, and death. And now we, the believer, we get to live in light of the resurrection. And lastly, he says all of this... In- And verse 4 was done according to the will of God, whom deserves glory forever and ever. Amen. God did all the work of salvation through Jesus, so he deserves all the glory. I hope you're sticking with me in this. This is just the first four verses. This is the greeting. Paul breaks down the gospel right here in the greeting. And notice, he doesn't say we have to do anything. He doesn't say we need to add to it. Jesus and God the Father have done all the work. Thus what Paul is doing is correcting the Galatian church and their understanding of the gospel right in the intro. He's coming hot out the gate. Jesus died in your place, and through the power of God, he rose from the dead, conquering Satan, sin, and death, and he deserves all the glory. Again, when we live in light of this gospel message, it changes our lives. This is the gospel of grace. We we didn't believe. I mean, nobody else gives you this type of gift. We didn't deserve this. We received an amazing gift based off of nothing that we have done, actually based off what we didn't do. All we did is believe. When believers understand the amount of goodness that's been done on their behalf, y'all, that to save them, it changes the way you live. You you, you can't go back. It's hard. God has been too good. Okay, somebody, let me let me break this down a little bit. It's like when you grew up eating uh, grocery store steak and. And you, you, you had to cook that joint well done. You don't know where it came from. And, and you cook it. You put some seasoning on it. And, and then you put A1 on it, too, because you're like, I, I don't know. I got to make it good. And that's how you grow up. You grow up. Some of y'all still doing that. But you, you grew up eating it that way. And then you, then you graduate. And you go spend some money on this nice A5 Wagyu steak. Woo! You get it cooked medium rare, the God sent way, yeah. and you and you you slice into that thing. Ain't no A one sauce on this. You just ain't, not even not even a whole bunch of seasoning. You just put a little bit of salt on it, and then you it's all succulent and good. And you just eat it. And and then after you taste that, you ain't going back to the well done grocery store meat. Oh, y'all missing this thing. I. <laughs> I went to Japan and I I, I I love sushi and um went to Japan and I was in Osaka and I said I wanna I wanna go to the best um, sushi restaurant. And so they're like, man, it's a number of them, but there's just one spot. And so we go to the space and it's in the middle of the harbor and it's right on the water and, and there's a line wrapped around and we go for breakfast. It's over an hour wait. I'm like, oh I thought we were gonna get in here quick, and we sit there and we're waiting in line and 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 y'all, they, they, they just caught it. It's, it's coming out the water onto my plate. And, and I ain't never tasted sushi like that in my life. It was so fresh and it was so good. You ain't have to put soy sauce and, and, and none of that stuff on it. You ain't None of that other stuff y'all put on. Ain't no mayonnaise in this, it's just fresh sushi. No fillers. And see, after eating that, it was hard to come back to America and eat this sushi that they make over here. Because I'm like, man, ain't no way this is fresh in Chicago. It, it come out of Lake Michigan. I don't know. Where did they get this? Some of y'all still looking at me funny because you're a vegetarian. And you're like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about with this meat stuff. Well, look, look. Imagine eating frozen bean burgers your whole life. And then you make your own. I'm sorry. Don't eat. Like, look. I'm not talking about vegetarians. Y'all email Pastor Steve if y'all think I'm, I ain't trying to offend nobody. But y'all, you know what I mean with this? When you truly taste and see that the Lord has been good, it's hard to go back. You, you, God has brought you from this place to this place. and you, you can't go back. It's so hard. It's hard to go back. And that's where Paul leads us in verse 6. He, he says, look at it with me. Says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. I'm astonished, Paul says. He uses emphatic language and a tone that gives off this notion of being surprised. He's angered a bit. He says, You've been called by the grace of God, hence, We didn't choose God. He chose us and he saved us. You're called and you're saved by his grace. He says, how could you? I I don't understand this. How could you understand his goodness on your behalf and then go run to some other truth? Paul's upset. He's astonished because they're believing something that is not true and therefore it's dangerous. He's angered because they're leaving the God who has loved them and called them to himself. Thus, they're now taking advantage of the grace of God. They're stomping on the pearls of God. This is serious. It was serious in Paul's day. It was serious before him, and it's serious today. And even if I may, it's serious among some of us here in this room right now. We've begun to add to the gospel. If I just live a good life, if if I just follow the law, if I eat well, if I give my money, if I take care of the poor, then I'm a good Christian. That doesn't make you Christian. In essence, your performance does not save you. If you pretend to be good, that doesn't save you. Paul attacks much of this as we get into the letters. He talks about circumcision and your dietary restrictions don't save you. Uh, Only It's it's all by Christ's work and his work alone. Y'all, this was also disrespectful to Paul, which is why he said, let me me reintroduce myself. Y'all remember who I am. But I, but I wonder, though, I, if I pause right there, I wonder I wonder how many of us were adding to Christ's work as a requirement for God's acceptance. I wonder, I want, if I were to take a poll in here, how many of us are adding on to the requirement for salvation? If I just do this, if I do this amount of good, if, I, if, I, if I'm pretty enough. If I'm nice enough, if I give, if I I serve enough, God God will love me. How many of us think that we need to give God something in order to gain his acceptance instead of accepting his grace on our behalf? Paul's trying to let them and us know that there's no more to do. It's all been done. Paul goes on to verse seven. He says, There's no other gospel. He's really saying that another gospel is no gospel at all. It, it, it isn't true, which is why you keep floundering around, wondering why you feel unsatisfied, you feel unfulfilled, and you don't feel full, the fullness of God. Y'all ever been there before where you just feel like, I don't feel full? Any of us experience that? See, there's this lack of fulfillment here. You feel a lack of fulfillment in Jesus. I wonder, is there any addition that you're putting onto the work of Jesus in order to be accepted? Paul says there's no other gospel. When you add to it, you're now adding your own work to Jesus' work. And there's nothing to add, which is very hard for us. Because we don't get anything in our lives for free. We all have to work for something if we want it. Especially being Chicagoans, y'all, we work hard here. We, We eat, sleep, drink, and we poop out work. That's all we think about. We work, work, work. The this, this city was made off the back, back of, of blue-collar workers, and, and so we, we, we take pride in that thing, and we, we work hard. But hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Y'all can tweet this out. Hard work fails miserably when it comes to salvation. Hard work fails miserably when it comes to salvation. 16th century Martin Luther, a reformer, he says this. He says, there's no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There's no other alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. Listen to me. Any teaching that is not based on us being too sinful to contribute to salvation and we can't add anything, I meaning we need a savior. We need someone to rescue us. Anything that, 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 that doesn't begin with that and then say that you're only saved by the grace of God through Christ and his death burial, and resurrection, plus nothing else, any teaching not based on that, is false. This is what Luther and Paul are both saying. You don't get saved and then just say, well, I got to start living right. I Got to put all these things in line. I'm going to put some rules in line, and I'm going to do this, this, that, and the third, and I'm going to make it happen. That's not the gospel. That eventually makes you legalistic, and you miss grace. The gospel, gospel it's, not, it's also not just you trying to be a good person. It's not just you trying to be a loving person. I mean, listen, if your good works were good enough, then why in the world did Jesus have to come and die? If you could just do enough good to get to heaven, then why would Jesus, why did he have to die? You ever thought about that? Why would it have to be a sacrifice? Why, why does Jesus have to die if we, if we can do enough good? See, understanding what Jesus did, it makes you take a deep look at your heart. It makes you take a deep look at your heart. We don't like this. and allows you to see your own sin. Why do I say this? Because me and you, we're just like Adam and Eve. And we commonly struggle with believing there's more than what God has to offer. We begin to trust ourselves. And it's subtle. It happens all the time instead of trusting God. See, by saying I'm a good person, you're failing to experience the depth of your own depravity. Thus, you're never going to fully experience the freedom and fulfillment in Jesus. Because you think, as long as I do enough good, or if I do this, I, I'm, I'm all right. You're, you're trusting in yourself for your own righteousness. You're working. That's not the gospel. And this also means, you probably ain't never thought about this. Well, if I'm good enough, if I'm good enough, I'm going to go to heaven. That means if I got to be a good person to go to heaven, that means that all bad people go to hell. That now makes the gospel exclusive instead of inclusive. That's not the gospel. Your performance doesn't lead you to Jesus. You being good doesn't lead to Christ either. And you being legalistic doesn't lead to gospel fulfillment either. There's only one gospel message. The gospel is that you're saved by faith in Christ alone and live by faith understanding that what he's done for you and now that informs, that now directs your life. In other words, it ain't you changing. It's the work of God that he does within you that makes you now live differently. Family, we gotta stop adding to the gospel. You gotta believe, 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 believe. Porky pig up in here, believe, 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 believe. Live by faith. Y'all don't even know who porky pig is. You gotta believe. You gotta believe, believe. Now's the be round third and head home here. Verse 8, Paul says. Something very interesting. He drives his point home and he, he says that his apostolic authority is even derived from the gospel. Now, the we here, if you look at verse 8, he, he, he points now again back to the other apostles who have received the gospel directly from Jesus, which now takes us back to the beginning when he says, An apostle not from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Again, there's only 12 disciples or apostles and Paul who received this directly from Jesus. He's saying that the power of his call comes directly from the gospel or what Jesus has done. He's saying that if I preach anything opposed to the word of God, his call now is null and void. The power of his call, don't miss this, is in the word he proclaims. In other words, for us, don't miss this, he's saying that the Bible judges the church. The church doesn't judge the Bible. Don't miss this. This Everything that we preach, that I preach on this stage, we teach and live as the Christian church, should come from the word of God, the Bible. Everything that I preach. Needs to be evaluated through a biblical lens, not through human intellectualism or how we feel. I know I'm on some toes. This is why we preach and teach here at Renewal line by line, exposing the text, trying to figure out what does the word say, not what I wanted to say or putting my feelings onto the text. What do we think? The t- what is the text saying? So every week when I get in my study, I, I sit down and I, and I ask the question, well, what does the Bible actually say? And what I mean is, like, what are the words on the page? So I'm observing the text. I'm starting with that, the who, what, when, where's of the passage. What does it actually say? And then I move to interpretation. Well, what does it say about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? I, because I, I start with observation, which leads to my interpretation, and then I end with application. Now, what is this saying to me? Because if you start with observing the text, right, then you get to interpretation. Then your application comes naturally. But what ends up happening, what we like to do is we, well, I need a word today. And you flip over your Bible and you start with application. Thus you're reading it wrong. You're not reading it to get to know God and therefore learning who you are through God. You're trying to figure out, God. God's for me. God's for me. What you got for me? No, that's not how we read the Bible. Observe, interpret, then apply. This is why we have you do this in your groups. If you're not in a group, jump in. It's not too late. This is why we do this in groups. It's because we want you to learn how to evaluate the word of God and how to live the word of God for yourself. We don't want you to just hear us preach, but we want you to know the gospel and how to communicate it in everyday life. Paul says, as an apostle, with all the authority I have, if I preach anything else. Even my call that's directly from Jesus is void. We as a church have to judge all truth claims through the lens of Scripture, which I may, I know, I know this this might step on some toes. This is a huge problem today. It was big before Paul. It's big in his day. It's big in our day. We don't know how to judge truth, and now truth becomes relative. We live in a world that's driven by how one feels. So if I say something or if the Bible says something opposed to how you feel, then now you judge it as incorrectly. Here's the problem with that. Your feelings and what you think change every day. Multiple times a day. That's not stable. So how in the world... Are you gonna judge something that's been foundational throughout centuries based on how you feel? Uh, uh, the, the Bible and James says, James says that that that, that the, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I, I, Paul, Paul, I'm like Paul, like you, you're sitting here, like, how why how are you doing this? Unstable. See, we see what happens is here it is. We can't judge truth off of personal experience. We can't judge it. Of what we know and how we feel has to have a solid foundation. And the truth is the Bible for the Christian. This means that as a pastor, as an angel, Paul says this, apostle, person, anybody that teaches or preaches anything opposed to the gospel that saves through faith alone in Jesus Christ is false, a curse. He says they need to be kicked out. Y'all, we've become too free with truth and i believe the reason is because we don't know enough as christians we haven't we haven't sat long enough at the master's feet we haven't drank deeply of the word of god we haven't spent time in the scriptures and saying what is it saying what does god say who is the lord and what is he for me going go we, we haven't we, we we trust spiritual leaders too willingly Oh, that, that must be true. But they said, and, and, and we don't know how to judge it correctly when we get into the word. We have problems living our lives in a world where everyone's truth can be true because we don't know enough to call out what's not truth. We don't know how to love correctly because we're not solid in our own foundation. So instead of loving someone out of a solid foundation, we start judging them because we're not solid. We're insecure. If If we're secure in Jesus, then we can allow people to see him through our lives, but we're not secure. So we start judging everything. We're mean to everybody. We don't love. This is a problem. You ask, well, how do we solve this? By believing in and growing in our understanding of the gospel. Chris, put that first diagram up if you don't mind. The first diagram, if you look at this, I've shown this before to some of you all. But when we come to Jesus, I talked about this first conversion, the cross is huge in our life. What Jesus did, it's all that we can see. not He's covered my sin. He's, 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 he's been gracious and loving to me. We're all about Jesus. And then as we keep going along in our walk with Jesus, we start, we start seeing the depth of our depravity. We start seeing how messed up we really are and how deep it is in our heart. And then we start seeing how God is so high and lifted up. And we're like, ain't no way I'm going to be up there with God. I can't reach him. That The gap is so large. And all the while, we're shrinking the cross. We're not looking at Jesus anymore. We're just looking at ourselves and God. We're not realizing that he's crossed that chasm. And so we we start walking away, trying to find other excitement, other places and things from, uh, 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 where can we get the same joy? When in actuality, it should look like this diagram. The cross should continually get larger in our life. And so as we grow in our walks with Jesus, we start seeing how sinful we are, but yet we see how good God is and how big he is. We start, we start, we're not saying, oh, I can't never reach that, but Jesus. Jesus has been good to me. He didn't just save me here. He saved me from my past, present, and my future sins. He has covered my worst, and he's, he's with me in my best. He's taken me from here. He's taken me to here. Y'all, y'all got a testimony. See, this is what this does. When you walk with Jesus long enough and you keep him at the forefront of your mind instead of your own mess and your own works, and I, I got to do this, I got to get to God through this, I got to do this, I got to do this. No, Jesus already did the work. When you look at it, Jesus already done the work from past, present, and future. See, as we grow in our walks with the Lord, it's not just a one-stop shop. we got to continually grow in our understanding of the gospel and keep it at the forefront of our minds. Let me ask you, does the gospel impact your whole life? Do you drink deeply of the word? Are you growing in your understanding? bring this all home friends I promise I'm done Paul and maybe you hear to my tone Paul, Paul he's uncompromising in this he's emphatic in his language here in the beginning of Galatians because to compromise on theology is to change your understanding of who Jesus is It's to change what he's done which then forces the question of one's salvation Are you really saved? So to be solid in your foundation, one has to continually soak up the truth of Jesus' word, the word of God. And you can only do that, family, by being in it daily, being in community. Paul lets us know there's no other gospel. If anything is added, it's false. We cannot cultivate the garden in this season of growth that God has called us to if we do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not like the in-and-out store. You don't just come in and get what you want and you leave. You you stay with it. You don't accept Christ and that's it. You continually drink deeply and soak up the Word. It's our nourishment. It's what gives us freedom. It's what allows us to love well. Galatians is going to walk us through all of this as we keep going through our time. It's such an important book for us in this season. And, And I'm going to end with this. It's probably most important to take home with you to believe a different gospel or adding to the gospel. It comes with condemnation. This is why. When we believe something different, we're not solid in our foundation. We start to feel fear. We start to feel anxiety. We start to feel guilt because we don't truly understand the grace by which we've been saved. There's no new or different gospel. Stop listening to the late. I got to help you, the latest Instagram pastor and televangelist who's trying to make it all sexy and doing things all on stage and everything. No, there's nothing new. But when you drink deeply of the word, It will change your life. Again, I wonder, I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, we're missing the full satisfaction, peace, and joy, and love of God because we're adding something to the work of Jesus. Just believe and soak up the truth of Jesus daily and watch your life change. Today, Paul opens up with this loving rebuke, and so am I, I, because your understanding of the gospel is essential to your soul. I can't wait to journey through this book, and I hope you're with me already. I got a few amens because some of y'all are on the fence. It's a word that kind of slaps you in your face a little bit. before we go to the table I want to open it up with this. There are some of us in here today that have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've never fully given your life to Jesus. Why not today? The word says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord God raised him from the dead he, he beat Satan, sin and death if you believe that you're saved. No work and you drink daily of this, and your life will change. There's some of us in here that need to give our lives to Jesus. I trust you with all of me, God. I give it to you. And then there's some of us on the other hand that we've trusted Jesus, but we lost it. Well, the zeal is gone. We we've been trust summer got to us. We went to everything, and we don't know where we are right now. And Jesus is saying, "Come to me." Come to me. Believe. I got you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm going to pray, and I just want you to do business with Jesus. And if that's you, I'm going to be standing in the front. If you're in one of those places. I don't want you to leave this place the same way you came out. Let's start this series. Let's start this season off right. Come pray with me. Pray with Pastor Steve. Miss Tammy to be in the back. Uh, Ramona be in the back. We'd love to pray with you. Let us know what Jesus is doing in your life and let us walk with you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness this morning. You are truly awesome and amazing. We give you praise. We give you thanks because you are good. So he saying that this morning. We thank you for saving. We thank you for working in our lives. We thank you for even a loving rebuke to say, there's only one gospel. Stop doing more. You've already done all the work. It's finished. You said on the cross, it's finished. nothing more to add thank you for that goodness let us trust that today and forevermore in jesus name we say amen thanks again for tuning into our podcast today i pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul i look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m on sunday morning take care god bless you